You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we cover the last 7 to 10 days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumours, roundup, gossip, tech and, well, basically... Anything else that catches our eye, this is the Essential Apple Podcast. Joining me this week is Simon from the EssentialApple.com website, the Facebook, the Google, the Twitter, and basically he's taken over all the social media duties from me, thankfully. How are you doing today, Simon? It's uh, We're on another Sunday afternoon recording again. How are things with you? Yeah, not too bad. We are, of course, about three hours later than we intended, but that's just us, isn't it, Mark? Well, if it happened on time, people would go, what's going on here? And as I record this, for some reason now, my levels are bouncing all over the place. So there we go. Well, hopefully by now we're on the MyMac.com podcasting network. This is episode number two on that network, which is actually um, episode 33 for us, just to make things uh, really difficult. Did you get your um, thing in the post this week from our good friends at Wire? I did indeed. I received a, a rather nice T-shirt, um, about five little stickers and uh, some sweets. Yep, I got the T-shirt as well. Thankfully, it's actually a medium that fits, but uh, I really, really need to get back out there. Speaking of which, Strava. I know this is in the show notes, but I've just thought of this one. Oh, I hate it when I say that because I sound like Donald Trump. Like when he said he was going to ban the iPhones. He goes, here's something I've just thought of. Um, Strava now is gone all Apple native on us. So the Apple Watch, you can now use Strava without your phone. Now, this got me a bit by surprise, because on my phone, I thought, aha, right, there's an update for Strava. And it just says bug fixes and updates. But when I, yeah, when Carl Madden from the Mac and Forth show dropped me a line to say, oh, did you know that Strava had an update? It was like, no. And then it was all over the news. It just, I don't know. That was just bonkers this week, so hopefully it might actually get me out there and do some much, much needed exercise. So that one's a, a nice little surprise this week, and I'm just trying to fill in the time while I go and find the update. There we are. All it says on the 21st of February, bug fixes. Uh, right, what do we got? Let's actually go into the show notes. Well, God, do we really want to go? Yes, we're going to the AirPods again. I don't know if anyone's been listening, but the ongoing saga of my AirPods blimey yet again another week another drop phone call it's even bad now because i listen to a lot of music in work and then every so often i'll press stop and i'll go back into press start and it just starts playing through the blinking speaker of the iphone again but this week this week oh this was a doozy so i thought i'd be a bit clever because the the airpods can work out what earpiece to use as a microphone and I thought, I wonder if that's what's causing all the dropout. So I set my right-hand AirPod to be the master, the main microphone. Now, I was driving home, and that's the one that I normally use all the time. So that was in charge, and I had the left, ear, the left one in. And I happened to need it to use Siri to call someone. And this is where it got a bit strange, because I went, ahoy, hoy, telephone, call the gym. And it says, is, and it goes, didink, comes back and says, is this the gym you're looking for? And it goes, didink, waiting for a response. But when you give that response, because you've got an AirPod plugged in, but you haven't got the master AirPod plugged in, 
no matter what you say, Siri isn't going to hear you. It doesn't have the intelligence to realise, ah, right, one of your earpods has died. Let me flip back over to the internal microphone. So that was... But I just didn't understand how you can initiate Siri by going ahoy hoy telephone and then it comes back to you. But then when it asks you a question, you can't actually respond to that question. Hmm. Well, I suppose that is a slightly edge case, but it is a little unusual. Although some time back, and it was a bug, uh, because, you know, I like to live on the bleeding edge. I had uh, an issue where you could uh, initiate Siri uh, on the phone vocally but after that it wouldn't interact with you it would only put the uh, answers up on the screen of the phone and not talk back to you ah, well, that was a bug and it was fixed but there you go it, it just seemed maddening how you can initiate it but you can't respond to it and that that did have me flummoxed for a little while Ah, oh, but it's just becoming more and more inevitable. Despite whatever I say to Apple, they seem to think that the only solution is, is yeah, go to the Apple store and get them looked at. So it's five hours round trip to get them looked at and go, oh, right, there is a problem. Here, have some new ones. <laughs> oh, I could do without that, to say the least. Now, yep. you've been... Oh, well. Yeah. Oh, it, it's... I've got a set of £12 headphones, and they work. But anyway, we're not going to that. We've got another story about the AirPods coming up uh, next week. We have indeed, yes. Um, So what else have we been up to this week? Uh, Yes, so this weekend I was a bit of a a wit's end. Uh, I finally found the show notes, so apologies that number 32 has only just gone up onto that there internet. But I've been doing some live streaming with Mimo Live from Boinks Software. Now, if you're a PC user... Streaming your desktop or a game or your PS3 or anything like that is really, really simple. You're very, very well catered for. You've got XSplit, you've got OBS, uh, Wirecast, Telestream. I think that might be one and the same and a few other options. But on the Mac, we've really been only limited to, uh, what is it, Wirecast again and OBS. Now, OBS is very, very good. It's got a bit of a steep learning curve. So when I saw Mimo Live, I thought, I'll give this a go. And you know something? It's not actually too bad. You can add a desktop. You could do picture in picture. You could do what they call cards. You know, like when you're watching the news and like the name of the person pops up. And it's all, and so you can queue all these events up. So it's like an actual small production studio. And it's, bit, it's not bad, actually. I sort of gave it a bit of a go. There's a few tweaks and settings that hopefully are going to be implemented soon. Uh, but it's not cheap. And this is a thing that I'm seeing more and more because Overcast has just gone into a subscription model of £9 per month. This one is £15 or $19 a month. A year is £159 or $199. But for three years, it's £329 slash $399 for three years. So... That seems a heck of a lot. It's good, but uh, unless you're making a bit of an income or you've got the, uh, you need like a a way to queue things up. So you could have your intros, press a button, that intro file plays. Then you want to play an advert. You want to display a score. You want to do picture in picture. It's all right, but ugh, 15 pounds a month to start off with seems well, a bit seems, steep. Seems a bit steep, really, for a yeah. hobbyist product. Yeah, well, for a hobbyist. I mean, if you're doing it and you're deriving an income from it, or 
you know, you're fairly serious about it, then I suppose, you know, £15 a month isn't that much, is it? But for, you know, for example, for, for us, Mark, if we were to say, God forbid, that we wanted to do a video version of our podcast and have our ugly mugs talking out there to the punters, uh, that would be an awfully expensive way to do it. It's yeah, it's it's one of those things about perceived value, isn't it? It's what I always call. I mean, those prices as well. By the way, that's for the Bogo standard version. If you want all of that plus uh, what they got here, premium support, which is second line phone. Uh, sorry, phone second level, email priority in the queue and on the forum. You then jump up to sixty nine dollars, seven hundred dollars, and one thousand three hundred dollars which seems a lot to be able to get through to someone to speak to them on the phone. Uh, if you want to go for the real pro version, where you get uh, two one-to-one coachings, you get a custom template, custom layers, a phone engineer access, and guaranteed response, you're then looking at $2,000 or $4,000, respectively. It's good, but, oh, I don't As they know. used to say, it's good, but it's not quite that good. I'm going to, I think I'm going to give it a go for a month and see what it's like. Because like I said, on Saturday afternoon, you'll see me on my little YouTube channel, which is basically me just mucking around on a weekend, uh, you know, on the weekend doing not a lot. It's all right. I mean, it does, it takes away a lot of the pain of things. Like, for example, if you're streaming to Twitch and you want to get your Twitch chat up up on the screen, you have to do, if you were using Open Source Broadcaster, you have to go to a website, sign up, authorize Twitch. Then you get a page, a, a URL that's especially for you. Go back into OBS, open up a new capture source, call it a browser capture, paste that URL into there, and then start testing. Whereas with this, you just literally click a button after you signed in and you're done. So there are quite a good few things about it but the one thing it doesn't do now i think on it is if you get a donation via twitch or youtube or whatever uh it won't show it so hopefully that's going to be coming up um i take it you've got no interest whatsoever in broadcasting to the web um i have a I have no desire to do it but in the same way as this week i've been playing with uh, learning audacity uh, I'm quite interested in the technicalities of doing it. I mean, I'd be interested to know how that you think that compares to something like Livestream, which seems to be the name that comes up all the time every time I use the duck to ask about uh, yeah. such things. Uh, well, Livestream is good. Now, the problem you've got with things like OBS and Livestream, and this may have changed since I last took a look, is if you want to capture a window you have to be very careful that nothing comes in front of that window. Uh, otherwise, so how do I express? When you capture a window, it will actually capture that window and keep that dimension size. However, if you put another window over the top of it, it will show that window plus whatever's on top of it. And that's where Mimo has the advantage that when you capture that window, no matter what you put on top of it, it's just got the focus of that window. So that's one of its main selling points the one bit of advice i'll give to anyone who's thinking of doing streaming from their mac is get loopback or soundflower otherwise you're going to be in a world of hurt for trying to get audio from multiple sources to stream uh, into your streaming. sorry to go from your mac into your streaming app of choice 
I know this. I have sweated buckets. Oh, and that reminds me, a big thank you to Guy from my Mac last week for coming on and doing some testing with me. Cheers, Guy. It's a bit of a weird situation when you've got to rely on him for help. <laughs> Only joking. Um, there are alternatives out there. Like I said, you've got open broadcast software, live stream producer. You've got Unay, which is more of a live streaming than desktop, Periscope. And of course, there'll be links to Rogue Amoeba all over at EssentialApple.com or indeed on the MyMac.com website. So what have you been up to? You've been installing Sierra Beta 3. This sounds like it's opening you up to a world of hurt. Well, I wouldn't say it was a world of hurt. I mean, I like to uh, keep up with the betas. There was a, a new beta this week, uh, Sierra Beta 3, yeah. Uh, and for some reason, it didn't quite take. It, it installed, or at least it appeared to install perfectly normally. The machine restarted. Um, but when I got to the login screen, instead of uh, the usual accounts, it just had grey silhouettes with a white question mark on them and underneath where the name should be it said um, update required so that was a bit strange and uh, although the machine I could log in I could select the picture which I knew would be my account i.e the one in the middle and uh, it accepted my password and logged in but everything was running very very slowly and uh I suppose I spent the best part of three hours dickering about trying to figure out what had gone wrong. In the end, uh, I just shut down all sorts of things that I thought might be interfering with it, like the uh, antivirus and a couple of other things that run in the background. Um, and then eventually I just did a restart, which appeared to not want to do anything. But I just, in the end, I just thought, right, just leave it, walk away, walk away, Simon. And eventually it did restart, and then obviously somehow magically in the background it had collected what other bits, whatever pieces of, uh, you know, the install had failed to take, and uh, all was well again. So how long did it actually, how long did the install process actually take? What, to, to fix itself? Yeah, to go from... Put it from getting the from doing the sorry, I was going to say getting the disc. I've been working with Windows all week. Uh, from downloading it to actually being able to do stuff, what? How long did that take you? Uh, well, because it didn't take properly, and I was having great difficulty getting it to run at a speed faster than a snail. Uh, it took me several hours, but I mean, normally it only takes about twenty minutes or so. So it just that something didn't take. It was a bit weird. It, it appeared to install, but when when it came back up, it just hadn't something hadn't taken correctly. So I don't really know what that was all about. But as I say, uh, once I got it to do a clean shutdown and restart, it sorted itself out. So I'm somebody somewhere at, yeah. does know how to fix things. I'm looking at this. It's quite interesting because it's got the night shift is now available in ten. Is it ten twelve four? That's only available to developers and public beta testers. All oh, right, so it is available. Again, I'm still catching up in the world of Apple. Dictation support for Shanganese. Is that right? You can ask Siri about cricket school schedules and player rosters. Siri knows about statistics and data from the Indian Premier League and International Cricket Council. A load of people are going to love that. Oh, yeah, well, as you can tell, I'm an avid fan. <laughs> uh, what else is there? iCloud Analytics is now... Uh, is Sorry. iCloud Analytics is now present as an opt 
in step, step uh, setup by me. And the Mac App Store gains touch bar support via the slot, via slot. Oh, blimey. Volume slider now visually indicates levels. Got one of those days where I can't read. Night shift is great, though. Uh, any opportunity, I got, when I went over to see some friends and uh, they had their iPhones and their iPads, I said, have you seen night shift? And when I first turned it on, because it was getting late, it went that yellow color. They went, oh, what's this? I said, okay, give it an hour. And then after an hour, turning it off was like, oh, no, 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 put it back on, put it back on. <laughs> yeah, night shift is quite strange, isn't it? Because when you when you're messing about setting it up, it seems incredibly violent. Um, I have a slight problem in that I have a, a visual aversion to yellow light. Um, and if it's too yellow, it actually hurts my eyes. So I have to turn mine so that it's not very yellow. Yeah, but it's not not um, not not the really blue white. Not that I've ever really suffered uh, too much from looking at blue-white screens. In fact, I find blue-white screens to be quite relaxing. Um, however, I do have the night shift on because it does help. Um, and once you start using it, you, you won't notice. You'll just find that, well, you just don't notice it, do you? Unless you no. turn it off and then everything's a glaring blue-white colour. Um, and those people who are troubled by blue-white light will find it greatly helpful. And, of course, it is adjustable from incredibly yellow-orange, which is a bit extreme at one end, to almost no difference at all at the other. I find, personally, the default is a little bit too yellow, but that's just me. There's also just looking at that Apple's rolling out the third Watch OS 3.2 beta, which includes third to moons and disables raise to wake and mutes alerts. That's quite interesting. Although it's not going to stop anyone in a blink in the cinema. Oh, no, I have to... it's not going to stop people. But the idea is those who uh, are thoughtful enough to uh, realise that it might annoy people can actually set their watch so that it won't keep lighting up every time they get a Facebook alert or something. Did I have my rant about when I went to the cinema the other week and people would, would just not shut up? And oh, there were students... But they were the sort of students you could tell were a little bit arty, so of course they felt absolutely compelled to point out all the references from Chain Spotting 2 to Chain Spotting 1. And I was so close to say, if I want to have the DVD commentary, I'll wait for the DVD. And then they were just <laughs> chipping on and on and on. And finally, what made me flip was uh, the one of the women there was her phone went off. But you could just see the screen out the corner of my eye and it completely breaks my immersion. I'm horrible like that. And I just looked over them and said, what the blinking heck? And finally they realised they were being a bit obnoxious. Anyway, let's try and keep it chipper, shall we? Let's not get on that. Let's not get all morbid and depressed and angry and grumpy old men. And what have we got else here? So this, you alluded to this earlier. You've been learning a bit of audacity. How's that been going? Uh, actually, quite well. As I said the other week, I was—I uh, decided to start experimenting with uh, digital audio workstations. Um, as I said, the Pro Tools, the uh, tutorials were fabulous, but unfortunately the software didn't really seem to want to run properly, or should I say it only wanted to launch about half the time. The other half of the time it would hang. So uh, that was Pro Tools out of the window. Uh, I gave Adobe Audition a fair shake of the stick, uh, but that, it's just so overkill for what I want. Um, 
there are more buttons, knobs, sliders, dials, and window panes and tool pallets. Uh, and I'm sure it's absolutely brilliant. I'm sure it's a fabulous piece of software, but it's just too complicated for me and way beyond what I need to do. So I fell back to Audacity and uh, I've been experimenting with various bits and pieces of that. And hopefully, of course, the listeners will hear some of the results of that with our signature tunes, intros, a little intro piece for uh, Nemo's hardware store and one or two other pieces of audio tomfoolery. Well, I'll tell you what, that will link us in nicely. We're probably going to do it a bit earlier this week. So we head into now, he says, trying to find and clip the audio out ready. Let's head over to Nemo's hardware store and we'll be back in a few minutes. Nemo's hardware store is back with some practical stuff. We've got some iPhone cases, cable, and a good book on Mac OS Sierra. The cases and the cable come from a company called Laut, L-A-U-T, and their website is itslaut.com, I-T-S-L-A-U-T.com. The cable is called the Link Lightning to USB 2 cable. I've got one that's 1.2 meters in gray. My favorite thing about it is it's got a flat band for the cable. So it's all molded and welded together, and it's nice and flat, so it doesn't kink, and it rolls up beautifully, and it does come in some more exotic colors. But the one they sent us for review is gray, and I've been using it to charge off my wife's iPad, so we know that one's a keeper. That's the Link Lightning Cable from Laut, L-A-U-T. Now we have three cases for the iPhone 7 Plus, the great big one like Carl has. They have quite a large range of cases for the phones. So the three that they sent are called ExoFrame, lightweight aluminum and TPU hybrid case for iPhone 7 Plus. Then the Lume or Lume, L-U-M-E, ultra-thin TPU protective case. And then the Huex Elements, H-U-E-X. And each of these comes in both sizes and in different color schemes. Very attractive, very well built. The prices both for the cables and the cases are in the 18 to $27 range. So either side of $20 in the U.S. And Mark will have the U.K. information. But the best thing about them, the build quality is very good. They're very stylish, very well designed. Lots of different options as far as your materials. And they grip your phone perfectly. And each one comes with a two-year warranty and two high-quality screen protectors. Not the flimsy plastic ones, but the good, high-quality ones. So check out the phone cases for your iPhone 7 and 7 Plus from Lout or itslout.com. The book is by our good friend Bob Levitis. In full color, learning made easy, Mac OS Sierra for dummies. Get acquainted with the newest features of Sierra. Discover shortcuts for saving time when working on your Mac Get creative with the latest tools with Mac OS Sierra. Well, I've just installed Sierra on my MacBook Pro. So I'm going to go through this book page by page, and I'll let you and Bob Levitas know what I think of it. The list price in the U.S. is $30, but I've seen it for quite a bit less. And again, Mark will have the links in the show notes for the U.K. pricing. Chapter 10 in Bob's book is called Siri is Lee, What Siri Can Do For You. Getting to know Siri on your Mac, working with Siri and making Siri your very own. This is the biggest deal for most people, Mac OS Sierra. 
So study these pages. I've been working on these to understand how Siri works and then how Siri can be used for the voice recognition in other places in Sierra. So have a look at this book. It's a substantial volume, 450 pages, and it's a good price. And we really like the style and the substance and the humor, the wit, and the experience of Bob Dr. Mac Levitis. Thanks for listening. Until next week, Nemo's Hardware Store. Cheers, John, once again. And as always, you can find more of his stuff over on MyMac.com. So this is where it gets a bit complicated now. The lightning charge cable is $19, not available in the UK. The Hooks Elements iPhone case is $24 slash £15 here in the UK. That's available on both the website and Amazon. The Prime Transparent case is $19 or £16. The ExoFrame is $29.00. But really weirdly, it's £30 here in the UK. And finally, Dumbest for Sierra. Go and have a look at those books. Don't knock it and scoff it just because it's got the words dummies in it. There is actually some stuff you can learn from there. That's available for $29.99 or £17 and a really weird four pence from Amazon here in the UK. And of course... All of this stuff has our Amazon affiliate link where appropriate, where by clicking on that link, you go through to Amazon, whatever you buy, and hopefully it's one of the products that we mentioned on Nemo's Hardware Store, but it doesn't have to be. We get a very, very small amount of commission, and all of that stuff goes directly into a nice little pot for the help of the running of the show, pay for things like hosting, stuff that fails, cables, and a few other bits and bobs we're working on in the background. And of course, thank you very much to our Patreon subscribers. It's really, really appreciated. Much indeed. Right, where are we up to next on this mammoth document? This week's talking points. I don't know if you've seen this one, because just before we went live to recording, I was watching the rugby, and then an advert came on. Samsung have got a new TV advert, and it's quality assurance testing, give the people advert. Oh, yes. No, don't. No, I just I fell off my chair laughing. I nearly choked on my beer last night when that came on. It was like we tested it once, we tested it twice, and I'm like, yeah, but you tested it twice twice last time and still wasn't any good. So you're not convincing me. Sorry. And this is this is less oh just over a week since one of their chaps got arrested uh, for where was it now? I did. Oh, it's the it's the. Uh, yeah, yeah, for yes. bribery and embezzlement in it, all that sort of the, shenanigans. Uh, he's the son of the actual CEO, but his father hasn't been acting CEO for a couple of years because he had a stroke or a heart attack or something. But uh, apparently this sort of thing, you know, is relatively common apparently in Korea because all their, well, they're, they're, they're giant corporations, uh, Samsung and and. I don't know, the others, Hyundai and people like that. Um, yeah, don't blame me if I've accidentally named somebody wrongly. But they're all family-owned empires. They're, they're owned mostly by families. And uh, despite the fact that they're huge, you know, conglomerate businesses, uh, they're technically ruled with an iron fist by, a you know, a family. But... Uh, I hear from people who know about such things that, of course, in reality, the board just mostly defer to the head of, you know, the heads of all the actual subsections. So the fact that this guy has been dabbling in corrupt politics is A, not unusual, and B, 
unlikely to have any effect on the actual performance of Samsung itself. I've been lucky enough to go and work in that sort of area, and it was only for a very short time, and the power of little brown envelopes was second to none. It was happening all over the place. Suddenly people would turn up to work in a a newer car than they had before, and it was allegedly all legitimate. But we're not lawyers, we don't know everything about this. It's very, very interesting, though, that this basically got so little press. And once again, if this had been anything from Apple, I mean, look when the, um, oh, what's his name, who left Apple to go and work at Tesla, Chris something or other. Look at the, like, all the rumour mongering and the speculation and the wildness and people are trying to say, oh, Apple's car project failed. And, you know, that's just someone leaving. Chris, ah, Chris Latiner, that's who it was. And that was treated like it was a major disaster for Apple in a lot of respects. But now, there's, this is like someone at the very top of Samsung. It's just like, oh, well, yeah, it's just expected from Samsung. <laughs> I think it's a whole cultural, uh, you know, world away. That's the rest. I mean, it is physically half a world away and it's culturally half a world away. Um and I suspect probably all sorts of shenanigans go on in all sorts of companies of that size all over the world. We just mostly don't hear about it. That's the truth. Yeah. But the advert, though, itself isn't too bad. But it, like, I was like, you know, I saw it this afternoon and just sort of, well, I just started laughing going, yeah, this is, uh, this is Samsung on the comeback trail now after everything that's happened. It does make you wonder if they're going to release a new phone because it didn't really sort of have a major product in it. They didn't specifically reference the Galaxy brand, although it was the Galaxy phone. So it just makes you wonder if they're going to try and ramp out and get out a new phone sooner rather than later. Or would you? Well, like, or... I, I think the, uh, you know, it's fairly widely rumoured that the Galaxy S8 is going to make an appearance very, very soon, quite possibly at uh, the Mobile World Congress. Um, and if not, shortly afterwards. So I wouldn't read too much into that. I mean, I I think that whole advert is a PR, you know, we tested it once, we tested it twice, look how thorough we are. Um, And I just think the truth is most most consumers have very, very short memories. And you've got to remember that an awful lot of consumers are not like us. They don't follow the tech news. They don't follow the, the blogs. They don't follow any of this stuff. So oh, Samsung had some dodgy phones and that's about as far as it's penetrated their consciousness and some adverts saying, look, we're being more conscientious about it. We'll probably smooth it over. Um, that's the honest truth. Sure, they're, you know, they will take a hit, but I don't think in the long term it's going to really damage their brand that much. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it probably should because it's not just exploding phones, is it? They've got exploding tumble dryers and shaking themselves to death dishwashers or something i don't know i don't bother to listen but apparently several of their products have had to be recalled because they're unsafe so i think it just indicates a general um either a a lack of respect for proper testing or it just shows a, a situation where you know the people producing these things are under such pressure to bring out new models that they just have to rush them out and hope that there's nothing wrong with them. 
I'm just I'm just catching up with the news, and as I've just been talking about Twitch, I've just found an article that apparently someone died during a 24-hour gaming marathon. Oh Lord, typical. <laughs> um, last week we were talking about BlackBerry, and see as you would mention the MWC, uh, they're going to bring out a new phone. It's the Key One, uh, but more interesting than that is that Nokia are going to bring out some phones as well. So we're seeing a bit of a resurgence in that mid-range. Uh, area. I'd completely forgotten about the Mobile World Conference. I just was having a look at it now uh, to see if there was any news uh, about the new Samsung handsets, but I don't think that's come out yet. I think Samsung are are playing a game of uh, not actually announcing their new stuff at the MWC um, and letting everybody else squabble over bragging rights. Um, and then I suspect after the fuss dies down, they will come out and trumpet their new piece of hardware. Uh, you know, Samsung do have the advantage of being effectively the big player, so they can let you know HTC and LG and ZTE and Huawei and all the others shout, you know, over over and amongst themselves, and then they can come out afterwards and say. Yeah, but forget all that. Here's our new Galaxy S8 um, and possibly just trump all the rest just like that. What has been interesting is the Intel are trying get to get that Atom brand back up and running uh, with 5G is what I've been reading this week. Uh, I'm trying to think, oh, see, one day I'll be prepared. It's one of those things where I always forget that I save bookmarks and documents on my phone but it doesn't always sync up to my mac uh, especially in apple news and that's a bit of pain in the backside as well this week because no matter how many times i try and save one article it's just not having it 5g will be good on a phone i'd hate to see what it's going to do to the battery but bringing things closer to home uh they see this was almost seamless the house of lords have said that the uk deserves a minimum of a 30 megabyte broadband connection votes the House of House of Lords. Now, you posted this one, so do you want to take it away on this one, Simon? Uh, well, the long and the short of it is, of course, that uh, there is a, uh, what is it, the digital... Digital economy bill. Digital economy bill, that's the one. And uh, when it was uh, put forward originally, it was mooted that... Uh, an acceptable minimum standard for uh, broadband would be uh, 10 megabits per second download. However, uh, you know, things have moved on. We know the wheels of government turn often very slowly. Um, and the House of Lords have basically said, we want to amend that and say, we don't think 10 megabits per second really cuts it anymore. We think that the minimum, you know, uh, acceptable standard for a, a digital economy is that we everybody everybody should be able to get a 30 megabit per second download broadband so uh <laughs> putting it forward and actually achieving it of course are somewhat different aren't they as we know i mean it's very nice if you can achieve 30 megabit per second or better but uh you know we're on fiber at work well fiber to the cabinet and of course you know the fact that the cable between the box in our factory is still the rubbishy piece of cable that it was before. We're lucky if we can manage to hold 18 megabits per second. 
I'm with you on that one. I can actually see my exchange box. It is 286 meters from the pole. And I know this because during my time of waiting for my broadband to be installed, uh, he was basically filling time. And I'm only getting 15 down and one meg up. That's not bad, but it's the, it's little things now that are starting to... That um, it it's a it's the underlying technology behind what I do on my Mac that gets in the way. So, for example, if I'm using Pixelmator, you go and create a new document. The first thing it does is start ch- doing an upload to your iCloud Drive. And then, if you drop a humongous picture in and then you set, you change that file and muck it around, it's always pushing data up. So, for me, I'd rather have a better upload speed than download speed, just so I can get on with things. Uh, I don't know if it's my Mac or my router, but it just seems to drop into chug because I'm always constantly pushing data up. But it'd be really interesting to see if anyone out there's got any feedback about how much they've uploaded uh, due to using iCloud Drive, uh, get in contact with the show. 30 meg, that's a lot to ask for. Especially when you've got this, I suppose. They... Well, thirty megabits. I think it's fabulous. Uh, it's something that you know, definitely, definitely something to aspire to, and even better. I think it's it's great that the House of Lords, you know, thought of often as the musty, dusty, cobwebby uh, haunt of crusty old codgers, uh, is not strictly the way it is, and that some people in the House of Lords have looked at the proposed legislation and said you know you're underselling it if if we're going to strive for something let's at least strive for something that isn't going to be out of date by the time we rubber stamp the paperwork by the time it actually gets implemented as well well yeah and if it's a digital economy for the future you know there's no point aiming to say well i think we should achieve eight megabits per second you know downstream as a minimum for everybody because we're way past that aren't we on the whole on the whole, you know, pretty much every ISP will tell you that they they can achieve 20 megabits per second, at least. Unless you're at the end of the line. One of my friends is ba- who moved to uh, Weymouth, I think it is. He's right at the end of the exchange. And if he can get, he gets between two and four. It, and I'm it, afraid there's a lot of people in this country who are still, you know, lucky if they can manage to get four to eight megabits down and that i think is the whole point of this legislation is to say that's not acceptable and that what we need to achieve or you know what we should be striving to achieve is it's not you know i think the point of this is it's not that oh well you know if you live in the heart of birmingham or the heart of london or the heart of manchester you can get virgin or bt or somebody to provide you with you know phenomenal 200 300 megabits per second down broadband that's not the point. The point is that, yeah, like your friend should not be condemned effectively, you know, to be on a, a bicycle with a broken derailleur gears and one pedal missing when, yeah, the bloke in the next street to him is driving a Lamborghini. That That is the point. It's, again, this thing that has been brought up before about the digital divide, I think, that you know, it's important. It doesn't matter how flashy the top end is. What's really, what really marks out a country or, or you know, uh, a service is what is the acceptable minimum standard. And that means 
really this stuff is it's not just about selling or pushing better technology it's about saying that infrastructure needs to be good enough that everybody right the shepherd in his hut on the hillside in the outer bloody hebrides should still be able somehow or other to get 30 megabits per second to his ipad and not that that's going to be easy to achieve not that anybody's going to want to pay for it but i think it is admirable that somebody said that's what we should strive for that's what we should be aiming for definitely we did have trials round here or fact well there was one company that was round here who were doing wireless broadband installations which funnily enough was government funded i'll come on to that in a sec because i do want to go into this bit here the the House of Lords voted in favour of this amendment, noting that the required investment of 1.1 billion to achieve speeds of 10 megabytes a second should be increased to 2 billion to treble that speed. Uh, Mendelssohn described this increase as extraordinarily well justified. The proposal is off the back of a report in December by Ofcom that sets out three likely scenarios for the government's USO. Three suggestions included providing 10 megabit internet to 1.4 million premises not covered by such speed. Ah, now we get into the nitty gritty. A more highly specified 10 megabits a second download with 1 megabit um, what? That doesn't make I'm just rereading this. Hang on a sec. A 10 megabit, se- 10 megabit a second download service with one megabit second download for the 2.6 million premises without it, rolling out super fast broadband to 3.5 million without such a service at the moment. Do you think they meant upload instead of download? Right. I don't know. It's good. I'm coming back to bringing things more locally. So. Before BT went on a major, major spree around the area to put fibre in as many cabinets as they could to go fibre from the cabinet, there was a company that would give you wireless broadband. And literally, it's like a little radio antenna that went on the top of your house. They pointed it in the right direction and away you went. Uh, It was a, I think they had something like a 20 megabit line or 20 gig or megabit. They had quite a hefty pipe coming in. And basically, if you look across one of the bays we've got here, you could see where the main tower was. How much do you think it cost a household who maybe couldn't have internet, who maybe were right at the very end of the line? How much do you think this local company were charging to put a box on top of the roof? Wild stab in the dark. Seven to eight hundred? Four hundred pounds. Oh, okay. Which isn't bad. Yeah. Yeah, better than I expected. Um, Obviously, if you're in a position where that's your only option, it's a bit of a stinger that you've got to pay £400 to get something that most other people, you know, have started to uh, consider, uh, you know, as something they get in the same way as you expect to have electricity and running water and uh, a TV signal. Um, But that said, I've heard a lot worse. And I've read a lot worse where people, for whatever reason, have found themselves in a position. Uh, in fact, I read a story a few weeks ago about a village where for some strange anomaly in the way the wiring went, most of the village get perfectly good broadband. And then there's a few houses out on the edge who can't get any broadband at all and uh, were being quoted figures like 800 to £1,200 pounds to uh 
Yep, that being provided with the basic broadband service. Yep, that used to be a scheme as well, where you could club up together as like a small village and basically get a third party to come in and do the cabinet and everything on behalf of BT. Or, like I said, you could get like share wireless broadband. And this isn't the first time this has been done. There was a company called, I think it was Telestream, if I remember, in Birmingham. And uh, I lived at the time about two miles from Tele West, I want to think it was called, who were bought out by Cable and Wireless. Anyway, it was a fiber provider, one of those TV, one of those city fiber providers that give you TV and internet and all that sort yeah. of stuff. They were two months. That's the one. And I was just out of the range. So I couldn't get broadband. It was like, oh, we're working on everywhere else in the area, but your road, oh, we can't for some other weird reason. So that was ultimately I have to say that uh, I've been quite lucky with that because, uh, I mean, obviously I live in a, a small market town in Suffolk. And uh, for several years, whenever you looked up the stats, most of the town here was on two to four megabits. I'm talking a few years ago now. Um, but for some strange reason, my street and uh, sort of a street either side could get eight. And we were getting sort of, you know, six megabits out of a nominal eight when most of the town could only get two to four megabits. It was quite bizarre. Um, and so I somehow or other, by pure chance, seemed to have fallen into the best broadband provided street in my town. Um, of course, now I have uh, fiber, which is nominal 64. And I think I get. 50-ish. I don't bother to measure it because I don't have a problem with it. So, but what uh, was it? Was it um, was it David David Cohen or was it uh, Gazmaz? One one of them was saying about they'd moved and where they'd moved to, the broadband was very very, you know, was in the sort of two to four megabit, and they'd been offered a, a wireless service that could give them a phenomenally better pipe um and they'd got as far as the guys coming and putting the aerial on the house and everything and it turned out that there was some tree in the way or a, a peculiar dip in the hillside and it was all for naught and they couldn't quite pick up the signal i've been so there my old place and, yep my... had to pack it all up and go away i mean i just um, the the thing what I'd like to see is maybe the investment in 4G needs to go a bit stronger because there's a company called Relish.net and they offer 4G broadband allegedly unlimited. It's a one month con it's a one month contract. You pay fifty pounds for the device and then it's twenty pounds per month and it says unlimited usage and up to forty meg download. That'd be awesome. That would be really, really awesome. That would be a way to uh, guarantee that people get it. But, of course, it's only available <laughs> in London and Swindon areas. Uh, or, alternatively, only available where you can get 4G. And if, you know, like large areas, unfortunately, of the UK, 4G is still almost impossible to achieve. So it, it's, you know... It's Catch very 22. rare that I even use 4G uh, just because it sucks the life out of my battery. And again, where I am, it's always struggling to get a signal at the best of times. So turning on 4G would just. Yeah, uh, I, yeah I, I that think just the, the problem there is not 4G because I, I 
have 4G turned on and rarely have a problem. The problem always seems to come, whether it's 4G, 3G, whatever it was. Uh, like when I first, uh, which phone was it? Was it the 3G? I guess it was the 3GS uh, or the 3G, where 3G was, you know, first introduced to the iPhone. And there was a switch which in the controls which said, uh, allow 3G use, yes, no. And I turned it off because there wasn't any 3G around here. So you were just burning your battery with the 3G radio constantly pinging for a tower. You know, that was so the problem there is the same for you, I expect, Mark, that if you turn on 4G, it's just pointlessly pinging looking for a signal uh, yeah. and burning your battery in the in the process so you might as well turn it off and say it's not worth the effort there is again we've gone completely off the topic of apple maybe we'll try and get to an apple story in a minute just have a look <laughs> at satellite broadband uh, you can get up to um 20 uh, up to 20 meg speed you can get 20 gigabytes of traffic uh download speed is 17 gig upload is Three gig, uh, and that is thirty three ninety nine a month. So it's expensive. It's just a shame that it's capped. Otherwise, I'd be looking at this myself, going, "Hmm, that's actually cheaper yeah. than my landline that I never ever use, which I sort of regret paying for because I don't use it." Uh, and they could yeah, buy the cost of my package at the moment. At the moment, that's you know that's like a legacy uh, money maker for the providers, isn't it? Yeah. You have to have a landline and they charge you for that. When in reality, you've absolutely, most people now really couldn't give a monkeys about having a landline phone, but you're getting charged for it, whether you like it or not, you're getting charged for it in order to have broadband. Yep. <sighs> the unique one. And, uh... When you go fiber, do you know if you can just get fiber without having to get anything else? I don't know. I, th- I think you can now, can't you? Because well, yes, you I can. Think, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it, my fibre is fibre to the cabinet, and so is most people's. So, of course, it still comes down the same twisted copper pair to get into your house. Uh, should we try something loosely related to Apple? We did say at the start of the show, uh, and anything else that catches around, we've gone off on a complete tangent. It's one of the okay. as a way the show normally does. Well, I'll tell you what, Mark. Why don't we take a break and play a trailer for one of the other network shows? I thought their explanation of it was a little bit weak. A little well, bit weak? <laughs> just shut up. They said they have a vision. Oh, okay. Or if I'm in my car and the music just wirelessly stops working for no freaking reason, I got to reboot the phone. I'm so ticked off about it. It, it was a piece of junk and no one bought it. I did. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, now you got two of them that are going to fall out of your ear. However good they are, the price is pretty hard to stomach. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. What they, the hell's going pro- on? Their, their vision is also profit margin. Shove them I as do- far into your ears as you can. Tech Fan Podcast. You can find that show and many more over on MyMac.com, including our good selves. And of course, we're also at EssentialApple.com. Oh, this this next story is a little bit like kicking sand in my face. I was going to say, this one's going to be rubbing salt into the wound, isn't it? Really, yeah, Mark, because, uh, hype uh, beast. Uh, go on. I, 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 can't, I, I can't discuss this. <laughs> you can't talk about it, can you? Uh, of course... AirPods come in Apple's favourite white. No other colours are available. However, there's a company called 
Hyper Beast or Hype Hype Beast. Beast. Uh, and they're producing uh, a colorware service where you can have your AirPods any color you like, or at least from a large selection. And I wonder so if it actually you... helps them work. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not going to get involved in that one, Mark. But they have, uh, they're pictured here. They show a gloss black one with a gloss black case uh, and then scattered around they have some airpods in yellow and orange and green and blue and purple and red and a whole rainbow of colors i so. still feel incredibly self-conscious whenever i go out wearing them anywhere thankfully i wear it's still cold enough to wear a beanie hat what with hurricane doris on the horizon that's a brilliant name for a hurricane isn't it doris yeah this yes. story is Electronic device customizer Colorware recently launched its customization service for Apple AirPods. Known for its quality customs, Colorware utilizes a hand-sprayed X2 coating that is extremely durable. Uh, durable property. Oh, sorry, that is an extremely durable property. Scratch-resistant liquid plastic, emphasizing creativity and style. Colorware's customization service now offers 58 tones in both glossy and matte finish to personalise your AirPods and accompanying charger. What is the betting that quite soon someone's just going to go to an automotive shop, get a can of spray paint, and do it themselves for a lot lot less? (laughs) Well, yeah, except I'm sure the colourware service will actually colour your AirPods and it will stick. Uh, Unlike Leander Caney of the Cult of Mac, who did his with a Sharpie and ended up with black ears. (laughs) And I bet his AirPods still blinking work. Uh, that I can't. That I can't vouch for. But talking of the cult of Mac, uh, who I do like, I do follow the cult of Mac with Erfon and Buster and Leander, and uh, it was their fifth birthday. It was the fifth birthday of the Cult Cast, which is uh, which is their podcast, obviously, um, and a show I like. Uh, I find them amusing and uh, a good listen. And Erfon had the brilliant plan of doing a live stream uh, podcast. Uh-oh. Uh, he did, yes, he did say it would probably be a complete <coughs> show and that it would be a train wreck. Uh, and I won't lie, he wasn't far wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to watch that just uh, to make me feel it, a bit better about it, my it, show. Yeah, if you, if you want to look it up, look for the Cultcast 5th, uh, anniversary live stream you can uh, find it it's linked from their site uh, they do have a here is the best bits but you can watch the whole recording um, and I guess it's it's humorous as in this is how not to do it but uh, I'll let you go enjoy that one right that will be in the show notes that is not going to take a week to get uploaded because I've shared them and I found them and I've tagged them and I've done all that sort of stuff that I should have done last week. Uh, it's it's because I haven't quite got to grips with what I'm using for the show notes, because I really like Bear, just because of the way it does all of its funky formatting. And if you start dealing with Markdown, uh, it works really, really well. Uh, but then ugh, last week I was going between two programs, two documents, and that's why it was a little bit late. But you'll be able to see all this again at mymarketandessentialapple.com. Um, speaking of which... We should do a bit of self-promotion of ourselves, really. We've got a Slack channel. Yes. We have indeed got a Slack channel. Uh, it's it's going well, I think. 
Well, we've had uh, we've had three people sign up. We've had people. Three. We have people, which means we actually have at least three people who listen to this show. And hopefully they're them. downloading it on multiple devices, so it looks good for our stats. Well, I can hope anyway. <laughs> So, yes, uh, thank you for the uh, three guys who've joined our Slack room and uh, any other listeners who'd like to join in, uh, contact us for an invite. You can do that by going onto the Twitter at Essential Apple or you get hold of you, which is probably the best way to do it for now, uh, which is at Serenak, which is capital S-E-N-E-R-A-K. No, uh, not quite. Oh, it's S-E-R-E-N-E. A K, and I have discovered that the capital is not actually essential. I was wondering about that, but I don't know. These things confuse me at the best of times. Uh, and also, again, you can get hold of us on the Facebook and the Google Plus communities as well, which we have a little bit of a natter. And if you've got any ideas of things you want us to cover in the show, or leave some feedback, or follow up, or anything like that, those are the best places to put them in there. And thanks to the regulars who still keep posting those brilliant iPhone, in, sorry, those iTunes picks of the week. I think the last one was John Wick, which is three ninety nine, and that was a cracking belter of a film. It is, and apparently the sequel is now in cinemas, I believe. Yeah, I might. it's a payday week this week, so I might hack off up there, which again is another 40, minute round, 40 minutes there, 40 minutes back. Oh, Lord. Uh, right. What have we got left? Uh, we were almost at an hour, so we've got this week's obsession. That would have sounded a lot better if I had some music uh, lined up for that. So your recommendation this week is? Uh, well, my obsession this week is, of course, Audacity, which has uh, turned out to be a rather fine digital audio editor. Yep, you've got Audacity. If you want to take a step up, uh, and this seems to be... How do I put this? It has a little bit more of the way of user-friendly guides on YouTube. Uh, but it, again, we, as we covered earlier on, there is just such a big gap between starting off and the next level. It just seems to go absolutely bonkers from one to another. So that'll all be on the show notes. My pick this week is Twitum. Sorry, T-W-I-M. It's a clean, modern messaging service for Twitter. Basically, what it does, it's like a messenger that just deals with DMs in your Twitter. That's all it does. Now, that's probably an understatement to say all it does, but it's such a brilliant way that if you are dealing with multiple chats, it's basically like iMessage, but for Twitter. It's absolutely fantastic. I've been using it. You can find that in the show notes and go and check it out at projectdent.com. So thank you very much for that one. And it's free as well. So no reason not to try it. Uh, Always good. I haven't tested it with multiple Twitch accounts. So if you have got more than one account, uh, I don't know how that works. But yeah, I was using it because everyone seems to go from Slack to Quip to Twitter to IM and come back. Uh, it's got other little things like Siri support. So you can send a message to Angie using Twitch IM saying hello world. Uh, I tried WhatsApp with Siri the other day and that was not a good experience. But then again, why should I be surprised? So, yep, go and check that out as well. Uh, what else have we got on our list? How long have we been going uh, for? Right, well, a uh, couple, of, couple of things. I've obviously, whilst playing 
uh, about with Audacity and uh, looking for some pieces of music and some sound effects. Uh, I've been making heavy use of both the free music archive.org and uh, the excellent free sfx.co.uk, from which I have lifted most of the audio tomfoolery for this show. And thanks very much for giving that a go, Simon. It's taken a massive, massive weight off me, especially with work being how it is at the moment. Uh, Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you about that one off the air. And I think, you know what? I think we've got a show. So all that remains for us to do then is plug ourselves. You can get hold of us on EssentialApple.com, the Twitter at EssentialApple. You want to know what I'm up to? My little world, it's at Ocean Speed. We've got the Facebook, the Google+, the Patreon, and pretty much anywhere else. You can get this cast on iTunes, Opinion, Overcast, Stitcher, Spreaker, Diamond Download, RSS, and we are now tinkering with Fireside.f. Um, that may be becoming our new host home. I'm not entirely sure yet because it's taken me a, probably just as long to upload the show to our current host as it is to do all the editing. So stay tuned for news on that. Finally, Simon, if they want to, how can they get hold of you? Well, obviously the best way to get hold of me at the moment is to use the Twitter and that's at Serenak, S-E-R-E-N-A-K. And of course, I'd like to say that once again, this show has been brought to you by the power of Wire. Our friends at Wire, who are providing us with this lovely free service, which seems to work flawlessly. And we mentioned this last week, I'll mention it again. I'm on ADSL, and it's even when I was on Fibre, and I had something like, yeah, I had 75 down, and a huge, huge amount of up that I can't actually remember... Skype would always give me glitches. The fans would always be coming on. It would just grind my Mac into the ground. Wire has not given me any, any problems at all. And hopefully we might get one of them on the show in the next few weeks. So they do listen to the show, especially when we say good things about them. And yeah, thank you. for. And we're not just saying this, by the way, because we've got the T-shirt. That was just an unexpected bonus. But if anyone else out there is listening, we are very very easily bought well i am anyway <laughs> right. well there you go brilliant all that most for saying is cheer everyone and thanks for coming on the show simon it's been much appreciated absolutely no problem cheerio cheerio, cheerio.